Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everybody? This is the Tailgater Podcast. I'm Kevin Borba. He is Sergio Lodea Esperea, and we are here to talk to you about all things college football and tell you about this crazy world that we love so much. Sergio, how you doing? I'm doing well, Borba. Um, I am tired, as I told you before we started recording. It has been a day, but I'm excited to talk college football and the wild world that it is. It is a wild world. And up first in this wild world is the LSU job, essentially. Um, basically, everybody's turning it down right now, um, quote unquote, turning it down. Um, it's the middle of the season mm-hmm. where we're seven weeks in. So obviously, talking about taking a job that's not your current job would cause some drama. But of, of note, some some notable people that have said they don't want the job. Jimbo Fisher practically said the exact same thing he said when he was at Florida State in regards to leaving. He said... <laughs> I love being at Texas A&M and I plan on being here. And someone found a tweet or an article when he left Florida State and it was like verbatim the same thing, just Florida State. <laughs> and then he continues saying, I ain't commenting on that. I'm done with this, that stuff. I don't know what else to, what else I could say. Do you buy into Jimbo's frustrations with the question? Ironically, I do. Because I don't know if you've read it, Borba, but I want to say last, last year, because we were definitely in Connecticut. So last year... There was a report by ESPN that was this like magnum opus on the Florida State football program. It was basically a, what in the world is happening? How did it get so bad so quickly? And they interviewed a bunch of people involved in the department. They talked about all the problems that they had. And one of the big issues that Jimbo Fisher had at Florida State, it was revealed through that article on ESPN, um, was that they weren't giving the, like, they weren't dedicated to the football program financially, which is really weird because if you if you live in the state of Florida, as I do, which did, did you know that, Borba? I'm a, I'm a Floridian. I didn't know if you knew that. I just, um, my first time hearing it, actually. Yeah, yeah, you know, you learn something new about me every day, dude. Um, but if you live in Florida, you understand that Florida State, while yeah, it's a it's a it's a decent university, it's not bad, but there are better academic institutions in the state of Florida. They're known for their football department, like that is what they are known for. And so for the administration and, and the faculty to, and the athletic department to not want to give Jimbo Fisher the money that he wants in order to build a new facility or to renovate the locker rooms or to renovate Doak, which is their stadium, that he, all stuff that he wanted to do is a little surprising. Fast forward, Texas A&M comes in. They offer him 10 years at $100 million or whatever. whatever They, they offer him the – I guess we, we can't say this anymore because, you know, what recently happened. But they give him basically the college version of the Gruden contract. Where yeah. it's you, you think you're untouchable, but you know, as Gruden showed, no one's untouchable. Right. Um, so they give him that, and they give him all the support he needs. They just extended him for like another seventy-seven million dollars or whatever. I think he's good. I really do think that he's he's happy. I, I feel like he thinks that what's happening right now at Texas A&M is what Florida State should have given him. And to be honest, you know, he's one of the few. Um, coaches active coaches right now that have won a national championship so yeah i i actually do buy this and i think it's funny that he said the exact same thing when he was leaving florida state but uh i think situationally yeah this is a this is something i buy into i mean i kind of buy into it i also feel like if lsu throws a little money his way um i think lsu is an easier school to succeed at than texas a&m texas a&m is especially with texas and oklahoma joining the sec in a couple years um wait, i think wait, it'll wait, be- hold on hold on you think LSU is an easier job to succeed in than Texas A&M? I think it's easier to attract kids, like top recruits to LSU than it is. Okay, to Texas recruiting A&M. recruiting wise, yes, yes, it is. Okay, a that, get that's what makes it easy for me or easier. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay. It's probably easier that. to win at Texas A&M as of right now, in in a way, I guess. I don't know. Well, when you said easier, I thought you meant that the job at that university is easier. No, I, I think LSU oh, no. is a very difficult job. But it's you're right. Difficult. It is easier to attract talent and to win football games in that sense. Plus, you don't but have the to deal so much more. You don't have to deal with the cult. So, I mean, that's also a plus. Deal with the- 
because Texas A&M was cult-like. Um, you don't want to get me started on the military complex within sports, Borba. We don't, we're no, not turning no. this into Molly's class. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We don't need the military complex in sports and how it affects society. We don't need that now. But shout I will out, say- Shout out to Molly. Shout out literally, to Molly. I will say that LSU is a more attractive job, in my opinion. Um, I will say it's easier in that aspect. And then once Texas joins the SEC, Texas A&M's whole claim to fame about being the only school- in Texas in the SEC just disappears. And so Jimbo might be a little tempted. I mean, if the bag's good, I think the only thing that would hold him back is LSU has currently been in like this downfall of like, they have really good talent, but they just haven't been able to put it together. Now, granted, Ed Orgeron has been focusing on extracurriculars, as we'll put it, um, with some females at practice and just mm-hmm. not focusing on um, the team. And a lot of reports have come out saying that teams, uh, the team, the coaches, players, everyone, administration have been frustrated with his lack of focus and it all stems from him winning the championship and then his divorce, which we all know that personal life things can get in affects people in ways like C Sarkeesian at USC. That basically was his downfall was his personal life. Mm-hmm. But I do think Jimbo might be tempted, but I think as of right now, Texas A&M is a better situation. Cause if you look at it, they're ranked in the top 25 and they don't even have their quote unquote best quarterback. Um, right. And, and they're expected to get Connor Weigman, who's a really good quarterback. Who's, who also plays baseball. He's a senior right now. And so I think Texas A&M is on the up and LSU is kind of on the down. I will think, I do think he'll be tempted to hear some offers, but I don't think he'll take it. Listen, Hey, the bag is the bag. Okay. If the bag is big enough and we clearly saw how big the bag was at A&M the first time around and how big the bag was when he got his extension. But if we're doing the Florida state thing where he said the same thing, LSU is giving me 2015 Florida state vibes right now. Elite level talent, elite level of production, maximizing on it, winning a national title, and then lack of institutional control. Like we, we, we are talking about this LSU job. I know I brought it up um, on the last episode, but I want to bring it up again because it's very important. The Sports Illustrated and USA Today articles that came out talking about the sexual misconduct and the rampant um, horrible culture that has been established and has had went on at LSU. I can't speak for right now, but we can definitely say in the past. And while coach O was there, that's a problem as well. That is a reflection of a lack of um, leadership. And yeah, like you said, I mean, and if he's, you know, bringing his, his girlfriends and stuff to the facility and, and some reports are even saying that the girlfriend's kids would participate in practice. I mean, there's reports about the team saying he's not taking it seriously and all of that. So if you look at all the comments, all the players are saying we're playing for the team. We're playing for each other. No one's really said we're, we're out here trying to save Coach O's job. You know what I mean? Like they've, they've all been talking very much about themselves and being Tigers and all of that stuff. So listen, n- never say never because this is college football and it's the craziest thing in the world. But uh, as of right now, I believe Jimbo Fisher in saying that he's he's content where he is. I also think LSU might be able to get someone bigger. That's just my opinion. Um, this isn't even hating on Jimbo Fisher. I just think that he's kind of been clinging to and everybody in the media has kind of been clinging to that one national championship he won with Jameis Winston and Rashad Green and like a bunch of NFL talent like players that he has not been able to replicate and so I think he's kind of clinging on to that and people are just like that's the Jimbo Fisher we know but that's not really the Jimbo Fisher we know and so he's kind well, of like I, I think I think Jimbo's thing is that he makes his offensive system which he's an offensive minded coach he makes his offensive system I think too difficult for the modern college game in right. 2010, 2011, 2013, um, that worked. It was slow, methodical, a pro, a pro-like style. I mean, it's not exactly pro style, but a a pro-like style. I think that was fantastic in the early 2010s. But what's the team that undid him at FSU? The Marcus Mariota Oregon team with with Chip Kelly. That's they, what it was. They were too and fat. that is what college they, football has evolved. They couldn't keep exactly up. right. Yeah, and that's the complaint that we've had for AM past couple years, right? They're playing these games like like an AM Ole Miss game. Ole Miss is gonna score with Lane in four minutes on their drive, three minutes maybe. Jimbo wants to take ten minutes on a drive and and you know, West Coast that West Coast it up, you know, short, quick passes, run the football, let the clock go down, which I respect, but it's just not the way that college football is played in twenty twenty one. So for that reason, I think that's part of the reason why. Excuse me. I think that's part of the reason why you are saying that, like, yeah, he has that championship, but what has he done kind of thing? I don't think he's evolved offensively. He, in parts, he has. And there were reports that with um, um, Haynes King, I was trying to remember his name, 
that when Haynes King was running the offense before he got hurt, it was much more up-tempo. So we've yet to see it because Calzada's is now, you know, the starter. And so he went back to something different. So I, I just wanted to give context to the Jimbo Fisher offensive um, mentality yeah. and approach to football. I, I see that. I just, I think someone who's shown, I won't say inability because he showed the willingness to do so, but I'll say, I'm going to say the inability because right now he's not doing it just because of personnel wise. But I think he, we're all kind of just like, he won that one championship. And like, now that's how we see him. It's like Chip Kelly in a way. It's like, we all saw Chip Kelly as the guy who like, revolutionized college football and like now he's kind of just another coach out there at UCLA because his offense is nowhere near as revolutionary because everybody's doing it now and so it's Mm -hmm. just like we all hold him to that one standard but I think we all have to realize that those times are over and so like I need to see Jimbo like implement a more updated offense and then maybe I'll buy into the LSU hype and like because I feel like LSU has better options out there and which one of these options is Mel Tucker from Michigan State but he also joined the turning down the LSU job tour and said that he will not be joining. Um, I will say of all the coaches that commented that he doesn't want the job, I believe him the least. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that he, Mel Tucker is the coach. That I think if if anyone were to leave their current job, it would be him. Now, granted, he does have Big Ten ties. He played at Wisconsin, and he I think he likes cold weather places. I don't know. That's just like a vibe I've gotten. He went from Colorado to Michigan State, and I think the SEC is attractive to anyone. And especially a school like LSU where it's considered DBU and he's a defensive back and he would probably like to add to that and just bring it back. But he showed last year at Colorado that he had no problem leaving the spur of the moment as soon as a better job came up and he hopped on a plane to Michigan. So it would not surprise a me. A bag he... is a bag is a bag. Correct. And, and the I... SEC bag is pretty big, Borba. It is. And I think, I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know the longevity of this Michigan State team, but. This could be like a team where you remember, like Appalachian State, where they should blow up one year and then a, the coach gets a better job. And then I don't want to say they fall off, but it's like the, everybody keeps using them to get better jobs. I feel like Michigan State could be that job for Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker, where it's like he blows up with Michigan State, has a great season, and then gets that bag somewhere else, aka LSU. It's a stepping stone type of job, which right. we typically see at the group of five level. We see it on. Um, high level group of five teams, but we don't really see it at the power five level. Michigan State, I I agree with you. Since uh, D'Antonio's gone, um, I think that they could become one of those power five stepping stone jobs kind of thing. Yeah, Which I is think- fine, great Michigan State, like that's fantastic. I know that you have, but look, you're not going to compete with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State in your division. Like I'm sorry, you're financially you're not going to be able to do that for um, reasons on and off the field. But you know, I I respect the belief that you can and I support it but if you can become that that's not a bad thing to do you can have your floor can be seven eight wins each year um as long as you keep hiring the right coach you know so do you believe Mel Tucker um he, he tweeted it out himself like Jimbo was I asked believe, about it Mel decided to tweet out a statement I believe that his wife told him he needed to make a tweet <laughs> because she was tired of moving that's what I believe. I mean, that's something I believe. I believe never that he, think about he, we never think about the families in moving in sports at all. It's like like when someone gets traded in professional sports or like coaches move or players transfer, we never think about the human aspect of moving. Like when I moved from California to Connecticut, I was absolutely shell shocked. Like I don't think people realize how much of a factor that is. And so you're joking about the wife saying that, but like that mm-hmm. could very much be a factor into him not wanting to take the job because he may not want to learn a new location again. I also think maybe it's it's has to do with I, I think he believed in the moment he sent the tweet that that's what he felt, but I also believe that this is college football and situations change and the size of bags change and that could very very well be his agent saying hey look if you want this job, tweet this out we'll see what happens. You never know, you never know. Yeah, and so Mel Tucker I believe him the least on this list. He is not the end of the list though. Um, there's a Dabo mm-hmm. Sweeney sighting out here in the streets. Um, oh, Dabo. Dabo's had a rough Dabo's, year. Dabo's not leaving Clemson. Dabo's He's not, not leaving Clemson, but his quote was funny, so I included it in the montage. Um, he said, I'm focused on my own Death Valley, not LSU. And I do think there's only one job that I could possibly see Dabo leaving for, and Uncle Nick Saban is there. Um, I think Dabo, if he were to leave for a job and Nick Saban didn't pick his 
his um, replacement, I think it would be Alabama. Heck, Nick, Nick might even p- pick him, but I think the only job that Dabo might leave for is Alabama. But at the same time, he's kind of established Clemson as a not even kind of he has established Clemson as a blue blood. So why would he leave? I think I think being the guy after Nick Saban would just be too much stress, especially when you mm-hmm. kind of I don't want to say he's created an Alabama at Clemson because I don't think anybody will have an Alabama like program ever again. Well, not ever again, but not in our lifetime, possibly. But he kind of has the closest thing possible at Clemson. Uh, number one, bold of you to assume that the earth is going to last past our lifetime. Bold of you to assume. Second of all, hey, the minds um, were wrong once, so. The minds were wrong once. <laughs> yeah, but the ozone layer isn't. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but I think that Clemson, I think that he's staying at Clemson. I think you're right. He This is the best situation for him. Um, he, first of all, uh, he's got to fix some things in his Death Valley before he starts talking about the other Death Valley. So that's number one. And number two, um, I think you're right. I think the only job he would leave for is Alabama. He's an Alabama guy. He went to Alabama. He loves to talk about how he, you know, had what, $30 to his name and him and his mom were living in an apartment and he and he had a one discovery credit card that he maxed out and he still keeps it in his wallet or whatever. I respect that. I love that. But yeah, no, I I, uh, I don't think he's leaving here. What, when when Nick Saban retires, if Nick Saban retires, because who knows if he's a, if he's real or not, he's probably a robot. So Could be. Um, if that ever happens. I would like to see Lane Kiffin and Dabo Sweeney in a WWE style wrestling match. And the winner gets the Alabama job. Cause I wow. feel like they both, they're both guys that would be like, no, no, I want the job. I'd be like, yeah, no, no, but I want the job. <laughs> see, and then we just have like, we just have like an AEW ladder match or something, you know, just have some, that'd be there. interesting. I think I'd give Lane the yeah, upper hand just cause he's younger. Um, I will say wrestling, though- wrestling fans will realize I mentioned both WWE and AEW because who cares? Like your wrestling. Continue. That was just my little side. Go ahead. Shout out wrestling. Um, that, that was it. That was it. <laughs> uh, I do think Lane Kiffin is someone that many people might think could be in the mix for all these jobs. But I think one, he kind of likes to do things his way. And Ole Miss gives him that chance. And two, I don't know if I, if Nick Saban would allow him to coach at Alabama. Like, I think he would call off his Nick retirement. Saban's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, you know what, guys? Actually, never mind. Let's run it back. Um, I feel like I'm going to stay. He's one like, more year, guys. One more year. Um, yeah, I just don't think Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin ended on great terms, and I do think Nick Saban will have a say in who who gets to replace him. But speaking mm-hmm. of replacements, there is a job opening on the West Coast. Um, Washington State now has a job opening after the firing of Nick Rolovich. We all know why he got fired, so we're not going to get into that. This is a, a college football podcast, can you, not a medical can you, science can podcast. You agreed, but can you? Uh... Never mind. Actually, you know what? Nope. We're going to keep it college football. Never mind. The joke's going to stay in the bank. <laughs> Deposited at another day. Uh, yep. <laughs> Washington State has a job opening. Um, they're kind of in the middle of struggling, but they do have some promising players, I guess. Um, I really like their quarterback, Jaden Delora. Uh, Washington, or not, he's not a Washington kid. He's a St. Louis kid from Hawaii, um, the same school that mm-hmm. produced Tua and Marcus Mariota. It's a quarterback factory there. Um, mm-hmm. I think Washington State. It's kind of an attractive job. I think the reason that people are shy away from this job is one, I don't know if they're like, if one of the requirements prerequisites is that you have to run the air raid. But I think (laughs) if you run the air raid, like I don't think you're going to win. Like it's just no air raid team has ever come close to winning except Mike Leach's Texas Tech teams, which he had Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree. So he had a couple Mm -hmm. NFL guys. And so that's just not going to happen. Um, but there are some replacements out here that I want to throw out to you and you give me like a yay or nay on how you feel about them. Just because I, do I know I, do I only say yay or nay or do I give a little explanation? Both. Give me a, give me a yeah. yay and an explanation. So up first is okay. Texas's special teams coach, Jeff Banks. Um, he's a Washington state um, alum. He was the punter or something. Um, he's our associate head coach. Uh, he was the punter. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't know why I diminished punting like that, but I just, I just did for no punters reason. Punters are people too. They punters are. are people too. Shout out to Pat McAfee and the brand, but he is someone that has kind of been linked to it just because he's an alum and he's basically the second man at Texas. And he was also high up on Nick, Nick Saban staff, Alabama. Um, I'm going to go with nay off the bat. And that's because I want you to name me. I'll answer your question with a question. When's the last time that hiring the guy that went to that school worked out? 
Oof. Okay, let me think if if I could actually find one. Cause, Cause I, I can't think of one right now. I, I can't really think of one. Like I, it's hard to think of. Like I feel like, oh no. Well, Scott Frost is the only person I could think of off the top of my head, but he's obviously not Scott succeeding. Frost. And then you have Michigan. How are those programs? Okay, right now? Michigan is. How, how are those programs relative to the expectations of the fan base? That's a fair question. I'm glad you rephrased that because recency bias. Michigan has done well, so that would have been my answer. Yeah, usually mm-hmm. the guy, the alum, does not work out, but also. How many times does the team's former punter get an opportunity to coach the team, Sergio? Because oh, listen, no, no, I love that. If you gave me everything else and left out the fact that he was a Washington State alum, I probably would have gone yay because he's got the pedigree of being up in the Saban factory. Doesn't mean he's a Saban guy. Remember, mm-hmm. he's not the Saban guys, quote unquote, are coordinators, and those are the people that people think are going to rip replicate. Um, but has experience with Saban is the associate head coach with Sark and is a punter, which to me is the most important aspect of this conversation. Um, no, but legitimately, I, I I think that we get too caught up with the let's hire the alum. He quote unquote knows the culture. I mean, if the culture when they were there was losing, do you really want that culture there? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so for I that reason, like- I'll, I'll say that I'll say nay. I'll okay. Say nay. And then I'm going to stay in the big 12. Okay. He's due for a job. Um, oh wait, hold on. Te- Texas is in the Big Twelve this week. I'm I'm not sure which how you classify it. Or is it when are they in the SEC? When are they in the Big Twelve? When we're doing like, good, it's like look at that SEC caliber team. But when we're doing bad, <laughs> it's like back at our Big Twelve antics. Uh, <laughs> uh, sticking to the Big Twelve, I guess you could consider them an SEC team, um, just because they've uh, been doing well. Um, mm-hmm. This guy's due for a head coaching job, and he was almost linked to this job originally when it was open before Rolovich took it for, after leaving Hawaii. Um, Alex Grinch, the Oklahoma defensive coordinator. An emphatic yay. He has. I have been. I have been pounding the table. Hope you can hear that. I've been pounding the table for Alex Grinch for three years now. When FAU's job opened up and Willie Taggart got hired, I wanted Grinch. Um, when the Texas job opened up, I kind of wanted Grinch to get consideration. At least I didn't think he'd get the job, but I wanted him to be considered. Um, there are a lot of places I think Alex Grinch could do well in, and he's a, got a diverse background. He's not just a Big 12 type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked at Washington I think State as well. Right, exactly. He worked, And then here's the thing. Back to my earlier point. There's a difference between working at the school before and understand knowing how you know the athletic department works versus oh this is the herald the, the heralded son coming home to lead us to victory. I think Grinch would do well because he has experience there. I think he's a really good defensive mind, um, and I think he's ready to get the responsibility of a job. And I think Washington State's a good step there, right? Because he may be he may not want to go to a a, um, a group of five school, which I okay fine I, I disagree with, but okay that's fine that's your opinion. Um, and power five money, dude. Go, go get that bag. Go get that check. I'm with yep. it. I like it a lot. Okay. And so I, that was, those are the two big finalists. Now it's more guys. I think if any, someone who I realistically think is going to get this job as a mountain West guy, just because although Washington state resides in the pac 12, they give me very much mountain West vibes. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a fair statement to do make. You, do you know where, do you know where Pullman is? Like I know. how far away from it's civilization by, Pullman it's is? It's by Idaho, so it's not anywhere near anything. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, I know. You, your, your assessment of it being a Mountain West school instead of like vibe, instead of a Pac-12 vibe is spot on. Like Pullman is out by Idaho. It's it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's way out there. Um, Someone else that I think might get some traction, like I said, Mountain West, is Kalen DeBoer, the head coach of Fresno State. Um. I think he's going to ride Jake Hayner and Ronnie Rivers to a much better job. They're currently sitting at five and two, and they they went three and three last year, and they've shown that obviously obviously the COVID year so passed. But the, with a full off season, um, he's shown that he could get a good offense, solid defense, and I think that'd be interesting. I think there's something to be said with for being able to get, and this is no disrespect to you, Borbo, because you you live in the area. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, there's something to be said about um, being able to recruit guys to a location like Idaho, to a location like where Fresno State is, to a locate, you know, 
Northern California. The Central not the Valley, area. baby. The, the Central, Central Valley. Valley. <laughs> That's right. Borba, Borba represent. Borba reps the Central Valley like I rep Broward County. It's crazy. Um, so, nothing special. No, we have but, almonds. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I think there's something to be said for getting guys to go over there. You know, you recruit the Valley itself really well. And then you're able to kind of drop down to Southern California and get a couple of guys. You either go up to Washington and get a couple of guys. You're able to go a little bit west, a little bit east, sorry, into Montana and Wyoming and that area and get a couple of guys. I think there's something you said about that. And, and you know, I don't know if going back to Alex Grinch, I don't know if Alex Grinch can do that. I know that he was on staff over there at Washington State, but I don't know if he can recruit at that level. And I say at that level not to be like, oh, at the highest level, like Alabama, Georgia, and them recruit. But I mean, at that at that level, it's unique. It's a certain set of skills that you need to be able to pull the talent, the limited talent compared to other parts of the country and make the most out of that location. You know, everyone is going into Florida. Everyone is going into Texas. Everyone is going into Southern California. You got to be able to diversify. You got to zag when people are zigging. You got to mm-hmm. be able to do that well. And I think that, you know, um, DeBauer is, is someone that has shown he's been able to do that at Fresno State. And yeah, I don't know much about him outside of his Fresno State tenure. So, but from what I've seen, that's something that, you know, it'd be interesting. I mean, Washington State, who 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 else are you going to hire? You know, you got to realize your your place in the This, this is my college candidate. football. I have, I have yeah. a top candidate right now. And he is near that Idaho area kind of. I just mm-hmm. group all those like northwest states together. I don't care where they are. Like if you live in Montana, one of the Dakotas or what Idaho, I don't care. I'm sorry. I just don't care. Um, even, even though they're like really far apart i don't care montana <laughs> they're in different time zones <laughs> it's okay don't care <laughs> um i think the top candidate should be byu's coach kailani sataki but here's the issue he waits out a few years and he's in the big 12 i don't think kailani sataki is going anywhere and see that that i i feel the same way i do think that washington state should try to get him though because just looking at his records over the past year uh at past couple of years he went first year nine wins second year fell off four wins seven seven eleven and they're currently sitting at five and two and they've been nationally ranked all season except for this past week because they lost to a now ranked baylor mm-hmm. and so they've been really good and i think he has a similar style, but he also use, utilizes the running back a lot more than Washington State does. And so I think that would be the perfect mix of like this disease that Washington State has where they want to run the air raid, but, but like also incorporating the running back because this isn't like Mike Leach's like prime time anymore. Like running the air raid will not get you a championship. Not well, that in, Washington- in defensive in in defensive Rolovich, which this might be the only thing I defend him on, um, he wasn't running an air raid. He was running more of a run and shoot. So they used Max Borgie a lot in that yeah, offense. But he's and really good. It was, but it, it was more passing out of the backfield. I will say that it was a it was a lot of Christian McCaffrey esque. And no, you know what? I'm 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 just gonna be real. Yeah, all right. He gives me a little Christian McCaffrey vibes because he's a short white guy that's running out and catching balls out of the backfield. Okay, like it, they're using him in that way. It, it's giving me McCaffrey vibes, not to that level, obviously, but. They they use the running back more because Mike Leach, Mike Leach treats running backs the way that I treat pickles on burgers. I just throw them to the side. So, like, I think that Rolovich did use it was a run and shoot more than it was an air raid. Um, but I just wanted to clarify that because I, wanted, I will not be defending Rolovich on anything else. I just like they do they do run the ball more, but like more than most air raid coaches do, but to compare right. Borgie currently has 82 carries and I'm not, I think his last name is Alligator or Alligator, Alligator mm-hmm. from BYU. They're a top running back. He's sitting at 136. So oh, no, there's, absolutely. There's like the, definitely the, a the discrepancy. Of course, so, of course. But yeah, I think, I think those are some all great options. So we're probably both wrong and they're probably going to get some like random guy from like Montana and it'll, we'll be like, who? Whomst? but something else happened in a major way in another state I don't care about today. And that's five-star Luther burden from St. Louis, Missouri, Missouri shout out. I have family from there. Don't care about the state. Um, He decommitted. He's a five-star receiver decommitted from Oklahoma and is staying home and playing for Missouri because he doesn't want to go to a blue blood. He wants to do things different. And I think this is the first time we will see name, image and likeness pay off for someone who stays home because we haven't had that chance yet. All right, Barbara, how much of this was the fact that Oklahoma lost a five-star receiver? How much of that is is the reason it's in the rundown? 
I thought it was a very interesting topic, Sergio, <laughs> to see a young man choose home over a blue bud. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I did I did send the tweet to my friend just to let him know. <laughs> just being the cautious, aware friend that I am. No, but I thought it was interesting that to choose Missouri of all schools because he has 40 whatever offers. Like he could go anywhere. And obviously Oklahoma makes sense. But for some reason, Missouri was calling his name. And so obviously that bag is a bag is a bag because he will be getting paid there. Listen, congratulations to him for securing the above the table a table bag in NIL and maybe potentially the below the table bag. Hey, that's another hey, conversation. Hey, hey. I'm not I didn't accuse that wasn't Sergio, that was lower voice Sergio. Big difference. <laughs> Big two different guys, my dude. I don't know that. Um man. I don't either. Never met him before in my life. She doesn't even go here. Um, No, no, but for real, this is big. This is big. You're right. I think this is the first situation where we've seen a high-level player stay home. And did he say that it was – I mean, he said it was, I want to stay home, this now, whatever. But we can kind of put two and two together and see the NIL mm-hmm. stuff is going to be big. Um, Congratulations to Eli Drinkwater. Uh, I said Eli Drinkwater. <laughs> uh, congratulations because this is a massive get. He said, he I mean, said, we're we going to rebuild this thing. That's what Luther said. Yeah. And then there's other tidbits of him saying that he wants to stay home and help people, which granted, Missouri has gotten a few dudes that have transferred there. Like Mookie Cooper, I don't know if you remember him, a five-star mm-hmm. receiver that went to Ohio State and was from the Missouri area and transferred to Missouri. So Missouri's kind of like, they're building momentum within their own state, which is kind of weird to say because like theoretically you should have momentum in your own state, but like they're legitimately building momentum. Mm-hmm. Right. right. I think so. I think, so. I, think I, I think that that's something that they can keep in mind and 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 such where, you know, guys stay home, they're able to help their communities, they're able to be a presence in the community. Right. I think those are all wonderful things. Yeah. Um I also think that the NIL bag is going to be fantastic. Well, yeah. I also think he may have se- he seen the re- the wide receiver room in Norman, Oklahoma and said, mm, "You know what? Maybe I go somewhere else," which is great, which is fantastic. Um, I love when guys go to unheralded places, quote unquote, you know, unheralded places, and they're able to succeed in because they just simply made the most of their opportunities. I, I love that. And and I support this guy. I will support this guy 11 of his 12 games because we play they we play uh, Missouri every single year. So that's the one game I won't support him. But every other game, I definitely will. Good for him. Good for staying home. How, how sweet. As someone who as someone who loves home and prior, prioritizes home, um, I think that's. It's it's commendable and I, I respect it. He did. He also finished his um, speech saying off. I just want to start a trend here in St. Louis, and he hopes that more local talent will head to Missouri. I think that's really cool. Um, I think what you said about Oklahoma is also a big thing. They have four receivers that are all probably going to go first two rounds, and I think two or three of them are underclassmen as it currently stands. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm sure they have more in the bag coming anyway. So. Why not I mean, go Charles, to your... Charleston Rambo transferred to Miami. He saw the writing on the wall too. Yep. Marvin Mims is like the oldest guy Mims. there. Hazelwood. Um, Mario Williams, I believe is his name is a baller. Is that the, Her- is that Harrison. the heritage guy? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Florida there's one that there was, there's one that went to my high school. It's down the street. Let me, hold on. Let me pull it up. Look at this up, is because... podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, no, but there's a lot of good receivers at Oklahoma. His name's Mario Williams. He is from Richlands, North Carolina. Oh, that's his dad. Oh, his dad's really famous. His dad's a freaking the freaking football player, <laughs> the goat. <laughs> I knew that. I don't know why I was so surprised, but yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I thought if anything, this would happen a lot more in basketball than it would in football, just because basketball is more of an individual sport where mm-hmm. you can kind of like carry your home state. I also think. I also think um, with basketball, one good player can carry a team. Let's right. be real. Like it, they have the possibility of carrying the team. Um, I'm not so sure if that is. Excuse me, I'm not so sure if that's something that can happen in football. He's you know, from Plant City more. High School in Florida, Tampa, Florida. Oh, he's from Plant. Sure, that's what their okay. little that's what his little description on his little website at Oklahoma says. So, mm-hmm. good old Plant High, baby, go trees. No, I'm good just old, kidding. good old Plant. No. <laughs> Plant High is not good trees, but yes, uh, <laughs> I do know Plant High. It is in Tampa. Yes. Okay. So now that we've talked about one major receiver, Evan Stewart, the best receiver in the class, 
he is mm-hmm. deciding between our two schools, um, Florida Univers, the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. Just had to trigger you for half a Thank second you. there, and then yeah, the University, of, the University things. of Texas. Um, both schools that were projected to make, possibly make some noise this year, and are both sitting with three losses. Um, you guys have three losses, right? You want to say it again, Borba? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I don't think I heard you. How many losses do we have? You want to keep rubbing it in? I think you should say four just because he lost to a coach that was fired. Um, but he did oh, say – That was rough. That was, was, that, that was, that was a cheap mean. shot, but I had to. Um, <laughs> he did say after – I don't know when this was. October 17th at 6.36 p.m. Um, from Texas mm-hmm. Twitter. He said, in my opinion, the more you lose – the more you lose, excuse me, low-key, the closer you get. I don't know. I just have my reasons, I guess, to think that. And so this has me and you – very, very hyped about our chances with him because he is also considering Alabama and Texas A&M. And for someone of that caliber to be like, you know what? I th- I'm still interested in your school. Just because I saw you lose in person does not mean that your chances are over. It just means that I want to be a part of the reason that your program succeeds. And I think we might see a little more of that in this day and age because everybody's in building super teams. And so I feel like we we won't see it every year, but I do think we'll see a couple recruits that are at the top where they're like, I'm going to go to, I say non-traditional, but when I say non-traditional, I mean Alabama. <laughs> like he's he's typically an Alabama guy, like through in, throughout, like Alabama guy. So for him to go to a school where it's not at the top of the college football world is very interesting to me. Right. Um. All right, so I just pulled up his 247 profile. And the list is down to five schools, right? Yep. In in order, not alphabetically, but it seems like in order of interest. At the top is Alabama. Then you have Florida. Then you have Texas. Then you have LSU. And then you have Arkansas. Um, under interest, it says warm for LSU, Texas, Florida, and Bama. Arkansas, it says cool. So I think we can throw away Arkansas. Um, I think we can throw away LSU with the coaching change. And then we're basically stuck with Bama, Florida, Texas. Now, his recruiter with Florida is Billy Gonzalez, who is our best recruiter, hands down. That's like our guy. Okay, He's the, he's the one that's landing the four- and five-star prospects. The whole thing of uh, – let me put it – how do I put this? The whole thing about is losing better for recruiting – I we were having this conversation a few days ago, and I guess in this specific scenario, that's what he wants. I think what he wants is to see: can I get on the field? Is there playing time, like legitimate playing time for me? And what's going to be the best path for the NFL? I think when when you're dealing with a player like of this quality, right of of Evan Stewart's talent level, because if you haven't seen it, go ahead and look up Evan Stewart, Florida football, Friday night lights. He went to a camp that we have in Gainesville every year in the summer. It's like the big recruiting thing. And this man is just disgusting. Like, and that's the point where I was like, I need him on my team. I've gone on record and called him the next Julio Jones. Yeah, no, he's, he's got that type of potential. Like he, he's really good. So I think he's looking for somewhere where he can get playing time, get the national spotlight, um, be projected into top 10 draft boards. And make it to the next level. I think that's really what he wants. Honestly, he can do that at any school that he's down to. He can do that at Bama. He can do it at Florida. He can do it at Texas. Statistically, he'll have the best shot at Bama because, I mean, the numbers just tell you. If you want to play in the NFL, go to Alabama. They just I mean, produced no, four, four, number, four first-round picks in the past two years. I'm, I'm not giving away any recruiting secrets here. Like, yeah, at, at receiver, by the way. Not, not just like overall positions. They produced four receivers in the first round in the past couple of years. Um, I will yeah. say the thing that might not go in Bama's favor. I don't know if you've seen this. IMG kid, um, Ajayi Hall. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. He was mm-hmm. the top receiver or one of the top receivers from last year's class. He's a freshman at Alabama. He has been publicly criticizing and tweeting um, interesting things about his lack of playing time at Alabama. And although everybody's built different uh, mentally, uh, like maybe some kids thought they would go in and play right away. I do think it's interesting to see him kind of publicly bashing and liking tweets saying that he should transfer. I think that's interesting. And so maybe that's something that hurts Alabama's chances with Evan Stewart. But then again, they'll probably just snag another five-star receiver. So it doesn't really matter. But I do think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Saban also kind of came out and said 
that you have to do the right things on the field and practice and you need to impress people and practice to get on the field. So, I mean, that's interesting. I feel like it's interesting timing because Evan Stewart has kind of been touted everywhere. Like every school thinks they're getting Evan Stewart at this point, because I think he's done a really good job of not like being of telling insiders where he wants to go. Like Texas yeah, insiders. He's, he's smart with that. Texas insiders think he's going to Texas. Florida insiders think he's going to Florida. Like every insider thinks he's going to the school they cover. And I think, I think it was his recruiting cycle will be interesting because I don't know if you remember this, but he did. Um, I don't want to say quit, but I'm going to say quit. He did quit his high school football team to focus on his he, recruiting. Um, yeah, we should put some quotes on that. He there, quote unquote focus on his recruiting, which there might be some other there reasons. Were, mm-hmm. There will be other, some other reasons, but hey, everybody's got their reasons. <laughs> um, but everybody's I do think got their reasons. I think I think it's between us. Like I do think it's between us too, uh, Texas and Florida. I think I it, think so as well. And I think it'll come down to. For you guys, um, something that's interesting is you have Copeland and Shorter. Copeland's older. I don't know uh, Shorter's age, but I do think he's a sophomore or junior. Shorter transferred from Penn State, and he was the number one. He was a a five-star receiver in the 20 – oh, my God, Florida recruiting. Um, I think he was the number one in 2019. Okay, he's a retro. He's a retro junior. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He's a red. Yeah, that's he would have to be retro junior because he got the extra year for COVID. Right. So that means he would have to be one of the top receivers in the 2018 class. So he will still be there. Copeland will likely leave. Maybe I don't know. But you guys' receiver room is very open outside of those two spots. I would say. Mm-hmm. And then I ours, I think our only solidified receiver is Xavier. Excuse me, Xavier Worthy. And so either way, he's going to play right away. Um, at that point, it's just I, well. I think I think he's good enough to play right away, regardless. And I also think when you look at what happened at Florida, I mean, that that that, that Mullen's first season, I mean, that first year we put in every single receiver in that room is playing in the NFL right now. Van Jefferson for the Rams, um, Tyree Cleveland for the Broncos, I, um, uh, Kyle Pitts. We'll count him as a receiver in this situation. Kyle Pitts is in Atlanta. Kadarius Tony's in New York. And Freddie Swain's in Seattle. Every single receiver in that room is in the NFL on an active roster. Like right. we can we can put the players in the, in the league. We're one of I think two schools. I think it's Michigan's the other one that has put a player has had a player drafted in the NFL every year since like the '60s. Like if you go to Florida, you have an opportunity to make the NFL. Right. You go to Texas, you have an opportunity to make the NFL. Like these are schools that put players in the league. The thing that's so it's a question of where does he want to go? Because I also think that our our room is a bit more open or. Your room is a bit more open than our room because you forgot to mention Xavier Henderson, who's CJ Henderson, former Jacksonville corner. He's now in Carolina. His little brother, he's doing pretty well. You forgot to mention Trent Whitmore. Right. Um, and you forgot to mention um, Kimore Gamble, Keontae Gamble. All, I all these guys are name. naming. I think Trent Whitmore is the oldest, if I'm not mistaken. He's a sophomore. Whitmore so, is the oldest. So as a sophomore, that's pretty crazy. So your guys' room is clogged in a way. But at the same time, it could be very open because he's that good. And so our room is Xavier Worthy for sure. And then everybody else is very unproven. And so he could come in and easily be our 1B. And so that might be something that attracts him. Um, I think I think the X factor, and this is the last thing I'll say, Barbara. I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, you're good. I think the X factor is, is Anthony Richardson going to be the quarterback? Is he going to be the one to throw him the football? And B, can Mullen use him and in the same way that he used Kadarius Toney and if we're going to go way back in the same way he used Percy Harvin, I'm not saying mm-hmm. he's Percy Harvin or Kadarius Tony, but he, he, he seems like he can be that kind of X factor where you can just kind of do all. He can go and run the, the deep routes. He can run the post. He can run the slant. He can run the yeah. cut, the ins, the See. outs. He can maybe go behind the line of scrimmage, all those things. He's got that talent. I think he's going to be more of a one-on-one deep threat receiver as well. But, you know, can he be used in that way? Yeah, I think and Mullen, and is Mullen going to be able to do it? And is Mullen going to be there to do it? <laughs> That's true. I mean, I'll say two things before we move on. Um, one, I'll give you guys the edge just because although like you guys have put all those guys in the NFL, Steve Sarkeesian has put a bunch of receivers in the NFL, but he hasn't done it at Absolutely. Texas. And so, like he, he, you could give him credit for the Alabama guys, but again, Evan Stewart has not seen wide receivers from Texas go in the first round. I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen one in my lifetime at least. Um, and so, like, that's something that you guys have that's an advantage over us. Um, mm-hmm. But if I'm Steve Sarkeesian 
and the rest of our recruiting staff. Like you said, we don't know if Dan Mullen's going to be there. So I'm doing a little bit of dirty recruiting. I'm saying Dan Mullen's going to get fired. I just started here. I have at least four years and you can, you can make sure I keep my job. And so all's fair in love and war, all's fair in love and recruiting. And so I do think absolutely. That, I think do think that that would be a tactic I would personally use is, well, Florida's a good option, but you don't know if Anthony Richardson's going to be there. He's talked about tran or he he hasn't talked about transferring, but he's been kind of rumored with transferring with uh, from other sources. You don't know if Mullen's mm-hmm. going to be there, and like you got a dirty recruit sometimes. And that concludes our Evan Stewart weekly segment. I think last thing, last last thing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I just want every, I just want everyone to know he's from Frisco, Texas, so Dallas type area, and then he's he's the 2022 class, so he will be at either in either Austin or Gainesville in the fall of next year, or maybe even the spring, if he Probably. decides to do the, he'll, the he'll, early enroll situation. Since since he's, fo- quote-unquote, focusing on his Yeah, recruiting. I was going to say, it's not like he has to focus on his high school team. Um, exactly. <laughs> so something oh. that I want to bring up real quick that you talked about before the show, just because this, this one's going a little long, is name, image, and likeness. Um, mm-hmm. Go ahead and give us the breakdown of what happened with the Florida Gator quarterbacks. So I was sitting here, eating my Chipotle, um, and we were talking about NIL before we started the show, and I got an email from Outback Steakhouse the other day, um, and it said that they had signed a bunch of college football players to like an NIL deal, and amongst them were C.J. Stroud, Emory Jones, and Anthony Richardson. And the fact that it was both Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson just stood out to me because it's like, okay, we want the Florida quarterback. We don't know who it's going to be, so just like sign them both. Yeah, let them both get some money. We'll figure it out, so. That, that's just what sparked this. Yeah, this it, was, it was just interesting. And I do think we're going to see we're going to see NIL deals from now on in like all sports. But I do not think we're going to see them at the beginning of the season anymore, um, especially in football, maybe basketball, just because you're only getting these guys for one year, like the one and done's typically. But football mm-hmm. specifically, I think it's going to be called I'm going to call it the Rattler effect because you well give done. these guys all these big deals and you expect them to be stars. And then they get benched and replaced. And so I think the floor thing is interesting because they kind of just went for, hey, we'll, we'll take both of you and it'll work. But I do think like even CJ Stroud, they waited a while to get him on board because Ohio State didn't know who their quarterback was going to be until game one. There was always speculation that it was going to be Stroud, but it was never written in pen. And so I think name, name image, and likeness deals, unless it's a player like B. John Robinson, who is like a guaranteed star or like, uh, your favorite running back from Michigan State, who you you you've been hyping him up all year. He's someone who would get something like right away. Like if it's gonna be those guys, like Evan Stewart, give him a name, image, image and likeness deal. Um, Luther uh, Burden that we talked about earlier, he's gonna get name, image, and likeness deals from Missouri area, and then I'm sure he'll get other stuff as well. But we're not gonna see as many like top players get them every year all the time because I think people are gonna wait, or people companies are gonna want to wait and see how they do so that way they don't lose like like why is like spencer rattler he has no no value anymore at least not right now mm-hmm. hey or even dj uyungle he was supposed to be in all these dr pepper commercials and i haven't seen him once and it's like he's kind of fallen off and it's like well maybe we should have waited before we gave him a bag and i think that is something that's going to happen a lot i i agree with this theory i i like this take a lot i think it's i think you are correct and I think you're right to call it the Spencer Rattler effect because of how big of a platform he had and stuff. But I also don't think it's fair. I think that is kind of what happened. Um, we forget Spencer Rattler was supposed to be a Heisman favorite. DJ Uyunglele went into Notre Dame last season on the road. And while they didn't win the football game, he looked really good. He did. So I think that these these places that gave out these NIL deals – the Dr. Pepper with DJ, Canes with uh, Spencer, Spencer Rattler. I, I think they were justified. I think that's kind of part of the inherent risk. But I think I agree with you. I think we'll start to see more deals maybe halfway through the season kind of thing. And or like, maybe right after the season, maybe in time for bowls, stuff like that, maybe. Yep. I agree. I think uh, I think a lot of them will have to wait just because just for that risk factor. Because you don't want your you don't want to give a guy two hundred thousand dollars and all of a sudden by week five he's not the starting quarterback anymore. And so that, a check is a check. That that thing cleared, man. Hey, if I'm a quarterback, I, you ain't getting your money back. I, I mean, no, there's no <laughs> refunds on this, but I'm there saying the, company, the companies are salty. Yeah. So now it is time for our favorite time of the week. Um, we kind of had a rough week in this last week, but it is games we of the did. week. And so we're going to pick the winners and then our record, 
which I don't even want to say last week. I think we went two and three or two and four. So not great, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but not the, ideal. there's, there's a solid slate of games. I think we've had better games in the past, but there's some good games. So I'll read them to you and you'll pick your winner and then I'll pick my winner. Um, up first, we have the four and two UCLA chip Kelly, chip Kelly led Bruins versus the job that got him all the hype. The number 10 Oregon ducks. Uh, I'll take Oregon. I just think top to bottom, the roster's better. Okay. Um, and at this moment, I think I trust Mario Cristobal a bit more than Chip Kelly. So, I think. And if there's one team that can that knows how to stop Chip Kelly, it's got to be Oregon. Uh, you, you would think so. Um, I just, mm-hmm. as someone who works with the Pac-12 and knows how crazy the Pac-12 has been, just like watching these games firsthand, it almost seems like the ranked team never beats the unranked team. And so, with that being said. I think Chip Kelly and his squad go in with a little extra motivation, and I think they feed Zach Charbonnet a lot. And I'm going to give UCLA the upset, and then this also will inherently ruin the Pac-12's chances of making the playoff, if they had any. (laughs) So I'm going UCLA, you're going Oregon. And then the next one has kind of been marked as one of the games of the week, but I just think it's interesting because it's the Big Ten. Uh, Number six, Michigan, is hosting Northwestern. I'm going Michigan. Michigan is going to win out with the exception of Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State, and they're going to be 9-3 and three to end the season, and everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, not this again, and it's going to be the same old story over and over. Michigan wins the football game. Hater. Um, this next one yeah, no, is... Uh, I'm a realist, good sir. I'm a realist. You are a realist. Notice how I Michigan put Michigan to... State in that, in that win uh, loss. You section. did. You did. I appreciate it. The Mel Tuckers. Um... The next one is Army, who's currently sitting at four and two, taking on the the team that I call the most disrespected undefeated team, number sixteen Wake Forest. I will no longer be disrespecting Wake Forest. I will take Wake Forest. And with that being said, they're probably going to lose now that I picked them. So I mean, I I hate the triple option. <laughs> I think it should be outlawed, <laughs> but I don't. I think I think Wake Forest pulls this one out. But at the same time, if Army wins, I will not be surprised because it's what they do. They win games they shouldn't. Agreed. And then the next one is number 12, Ole Miss, possibly without Matt Corral. Um, Apparently, he's not doing well, whatever that means. Taking on LSU, who is currently on a streak of beating teams they should not, starting with one. Hey, you have to start a streak somewhere. So that's it is. They're trying trying to make it a streak. I will go. I'll go with Ole Miss. I want to think with my head here. And even if Matt Corral can't go, I've watched enough of Lane Kiffin's offense uh, as someone who watches FAU football to know that as long as there's a semi-capable quarterback in there, they'll be fine. Uh, I don't think that Ole Miss is going to be – I don't think that LSU, rather, is going to be able to keep up with Ole Miss's offense. So I'll take I, I also will be taking Ole Miss. Um, like you said – it's hard. It's hard to bet against uh, Lane Kiffin and what seems to be one of his best coaching seasons. Um, I do think it is interesting, though, if Matt Corral doesn't play, the next quarterback on the roster, is, his name is Kinkhead Dent. Um, he's a six-five sophomore from Yazoo City, Mississippi, and he mm-hmm. currently has two completions for seven yards on the year. So I'll take my chances. I'll take my chances, but it'll be a, if they don't have Matt Corral, I think it'll be a closer game than it should be. And then up next, I agree. I agree. This is my game of the week out of the games that we've said so far. Um, number twenty three, Pitt and the Fighting Kenny Pickett's taking on Clemson. Um, I'll take. Is this game in Heinz Field or is this in Death Valley? This is at Heinz Field. Oh, oh, baby! This is a chaos game if I've ever seen one. This, this is. This is the game that gets that Dabo Sweeney back in the rankings. <laughs> this see this pit game is just screaming pit. Like if Pitt could pit, they will pit all over this game. I want pit. Solid analysis. <laughs> I want pit. Pit pit pit. I do. Pit. Okay. Um yeah. I'm going to go with Clemson. I don't know why. I just have a f- bad feeling about this game. Do you have faith in this it's twelve thirty. Do you have faith in? in- it's a twelve thirty game. This is just seem- an afternoon game. Just seems like it's going to be full of chaos. Which is why I think Pitt will win. I know. I know Pitt. I know Pitt is ranked. I know Pitt is. Is Pitt favored in this game? They are. They ESPN has them um, with a sixty three percent chance to win. 
Oh wow, this is crazy. I, see, um, I think I'm still gonna go pit. I'm still gonna have, go pit, but they have too much hype. They're too confident now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think this is the best opportunity that Pitt has to make a conference championship game in God knows how long. I think that they need to capitalize on it, and I think that they need to prove that you know the 43 years of Kenny Pickett at quarterback um, will pay off in some way, shape, or form. So I, I want Pitt. I like Pitt. Hey, I have seen some mock drafts with Kenny Pickett in the first round now. So this is actually only his fifth year at Pitt, so have some respect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, just looking at the touchdown and interception ratio between the two quarterbacks has me a little shooketh, but I'm still going to go with Clemson. Uh, DJ has four touchdowns and three interceptions on the year. And then Kenny Pickett has 21 touchdowns and one pick on the year. So this just that offense, that Clemson offense is horrendous, dude. They're averaging a solid, I believe, 14 points a game. Um, 20 That's points just a game. so bad. 20 points. Per That's game. so bad for a team that was supposed to be in the playoffs. <laughs> it is. So I think this it's is horrible. where they, this is where they win. And then they start building their comeback and they try to be that two team playoff team, I think. But onto our last game. This is like the, the best rivalry game of the or the only one, I guess. Um, number 13, Notre Dame taking on USC. I don't acknowledge Notre Dame's rivalries because they're not in a conference. <laughs> Fair. With that being said, I'm going to take the team that thinks they're above a conference. And that's only because USC's like in such a state of this season's over for USC. They're just getting through the schedule at this point. So um, I'll take Notre Dame. I'm, I'm going against take- my will. I'm going to take Notre Dame, but I will do it reluctantly. Um, they're doing they're they're rocking a two quarterback system, and if you have two quarterbacks, mm-hmm. you have no quarterbacks. Um, Jack Cohn will start, uh, according to ESPN's Heather Dinich, um, but backup Tyler Buckner will also continue to see playing time, and so I don't know how I feel about that. But USC, I has- think they're just investing in the future rather than having a two quarterback system. So just I bench- think they know Jack Cohn isn't the just bench him then viable. Like- Stop, stop, stop. Uh, I mean, just stop. It's just too much too quickly for the just freshman, I think, stop. maybe. Just stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah. We would be we would be horrible in an offensive room together because I'm the one that wants to be patient. I'm the one that wants to wait on things, develop. And you're like, if they're not, if they're not good now, they're not going to ever be good. Just throw them in the fire. Okay, well, Jack Cohn's been in college as long as I've been alive, and we haven't seen him tear anybody up. So It's not for Jack Cohn. It's for the young guy. Well, let him let him learn by trial, trial by error. And that's literally what I just said. I would be the one preaching patience. You would be the one throwing them in the fire. <laughs> exactly. But then once that fire gets a little too hot, then I pull them and be like, "Hey, Jack, this what you. This is what you waited your twenty years for. This is your moment." So you just want optics. You just want it to seem like that guy's a starter, but really they'll pull him when he does bad. Well, I don't want him to get fra- get fragile his freshman year, Sergio. I have feelings. Which is why, which is why <laughs> you give him a little bit of playing time. While the other one is the starter, so See, he doesn't feel the pressure. I'm, I'm a fan. I of, digress. I'm a fan of the Trevor Lawrence method, where they started Kelly Bryant for the first three games. They knew Trevor Lawrence was better, and then once Kelly Bryant started to fail, they were like, "Okay, Trevor, go get him." And then he. All got right, well, him. when when you have Trevor Lawrence, you can do the Trevor Lawrence method. <laughs> it's that's fair. This guy's not Trevor Lawrence. Hey, have some have some respect for Tyler Buckner. Um, I actually saw an interesting stat the other day. He I, was, I actually don't because he goes to Notre Dame. He's one anyway, of a last one of a, one of a handful of Asian Americans who's a starter in college football. Oh, okay, well I respect him for that. That's I, I take it back. I take it back. So that's cool. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be recapping all these games and all the craziness that happens this week. Uh, Texas and Florida we did not play, so we'll be in a better mood on our Monday episode <laughs> than the one we will we or will I just be replaying last week's loss for an extra week? I mean, we didn't lose. And then so. stressing about Georgia. <laughs> we played Georgia. <laughs> we have Georgia next week. I mean. We're going to get demolished. You guys have Georgia, which is definitely not a recipe for success. Oh, uh, we have Baylor, which no. I think everybody thinks we should win against or win that game. But Baylor has really good running backs, so they're about to run for 300 yards on us. It's not the are same. You, are you, but I are just you back this that. week? I can't keep track. Are we back this week? Is this yeah, week 2022 week one? Because no. Until Arch Manning is our quarterback. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, we are not back. Did you see, by the way, did did you see before before we sign off, did you see that um, Ole Miss is honoring Eli Manning at a game? I, I don't did. know when. I think it, it's and they, they have Manning painted on the end zone. And someone said, that's not Eli Manning day. That's Arch Manning day. <laughs> well, coincidentally, it is the week that he is visiting. Um, but also, I've read in reports. I forgot where I read it. So this doesn't make it very useful, but... I've read in reports that 
because at the Georgia game, they paint a bunch of guys painted Arch Manning on their chest. Apparently, Arch doesn't like all the hoopla like that. So maybe no, he and, doesn't. He doesn't. So then maybe painting Manning in the end zone, obviously for his uncle, obviously not for his uncle. We're not stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, how cool! Like they could have picked any other time to retire Eli Manning's number, and they waited until Arch Manning that's was. The, that's the first family of. That's the first family of Ole Miss. Come on. I know, but timing timing is everything, and they mm-hmm. they timed it perfectly. If this was a kid that appreciated that stuff, and I don't think he does from what I've read. So thank you, Ole Miss, for pushing him towards Texas. And signing off, this has been the Tailgaters Podcast. I'm Kevin Borba. He is Sergio De La Esperea. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to like, subscribe, give us five stars, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.